1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We'll begin our reading tonight in verse number 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 18. And God's Word says this, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. All are yours, and ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Lord, I pray that you would help us to rightly understand this passage of Scripture tonight, this passage that Paul wrote here to this church at Corinth so long ago. Lord, I pray that we would be able to, uh, to understand it and apply it to our lives. Uh, Lord, may we rightly divide the word of truth as you've said. And Lord, I pray that you would get the honor out of everything done here. And it's in Jesus' name we ask that. Amen. Well, folks, there's, one, there's really two things... Um, well, I guess there's a number of things that people look for in life, but there's, there's two things I think that, that most people really want to find. Uh, you know, and that, that thing can manifest itself or make itself known in, in money or, or power or recognition or fame or wealth. You know, everyone, they're, they're seeking after something. But two things, you could put, if you could put them in two categories, two things that people are looking for, one could be wisdom, they want people to say, oh, look at me. Look how, look how smart I am. Man, look, look, how, look, look how brilliant I am. You should recognize me for my brilliance. And then really we could also sum that up and we could say that people also want glory. Man, people want glory. I, man, I want to take glory in this. There's, there's glory and there's honor. Oh, what a glorious thing it is that I was able to accomplish this. And man, for people to be able to praise them, they want that glory. Well, here, Paul, he's addressing these two things that man wants. He addresses man's wisdom, and he addresses this glory that they want. And what happens is, and as, he, as he's addressing the, the Christians there in Corinth, right? We said they're living in this crooked land, this, this wicked place of Corinth. He looks at them and says, Christians, you're going after wisdom and you're going after glory the wrong way. He doesn't say they're wrong. He doesn't say you shouldn't have them. He tells them they're going about it the wrong way. So these are the only two things we're going to talk about tonight. But we're going to expand on them just a little bit because the Bible tells us how we can get that wisdom and how we can get that glory. So the question is this, and the, 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 the point he's trying to make is this, that we shouldn't be going after wisdom and glory as it relates to what men think. I can't be getting my wisdom from this world. And I can't be getting glory from other people, from other men. My, my glory isn't based off of what this world has to offer. So we have to ask ourselves this question right before we get ready to dive in. We need to ask ourselves, okay, who am I following after to get my wisdom and to get my glory? Who am I chasing after? Where am I getting it from? And I believe this Bible will tell us how we can, or our, our scriptures tonight will tell us where we need to go for that. So first, here's what we're going to look at. Let's go ahead and look at wisdom. Let's look at wisdom first. Verse number 18. 
Let no man deceive himself. That's our first statement. Let no man deceive himself. Do you realize tonight one of the things that we can do? We can actually get ourselves in a situation where we'll think about something. Oh, we'll think on it and we'll think on it and then we'll, we'll start to believe in it. And then we will get so wrapped up in this one thought, we will actually trick ourselves into believing something that's not true. You know, there's this, there was a study that was out. I was listening to it. It's, uh, it was a podcast, you know, kind of like what we have. But it was one that was done on a medical study. And I thought this was, this was really neat. Uh, th- these, these two psychiatrists, they wanted to help out people that were dealing with depression and anxiety. And I re- those are real things. I realize they are. Uh, you know, sometimes people physically have, have problems they need help with. Um, but with that, these two psychiatrists had two different thoughts. One guy, he said, oh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prescribe some folks this medicine. It's going to help them with, with, their, uh, with the imbalance that they have. And boy, it's going to help them out. And, and they did. And they started, and man, they started getting better. They did the test. And you know, things started working. And the other guy over here, this other psychiatrist, he thought to himself, you know, I wonder if positive thinking can affect them in the same way. I wonder if just them thinking that they're going to get better will help them to get better. And here's what he did. He took his patients and he said, now listen, patients, I'm going to give you this medicine. I want you to take this medicine once a day and we're going to see how this is affecting you. And he said, this is what it's going to do. You're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to have a better mood. You're going to have some better thoughts and you're going to start feeling this way, this way, and this way. And this doctor over here, he gave his, doc- his, uh, his patients some medicine, but he gave them a sugar pill. There, were, there was nothing in it. It was just a, a little white tablet that had no chemical at all. And these group of people, they started getting better. They, they came back and they reported to him, Wow, Doc, man, that medicine that you gave me, it's really starting to help me feel better. Why? Because they had built that up in their mind. They had thought it. Folks, sometimes we can get ourselves thinking about something and wrapped up in some kind of thought we can deceive ourselves. Do you realize there are people, they are, such, they are such habitual liars. They will lie about things that don't even matter. You know, they, they, and just, just for the sake of doing it, they'll make a habit out of lying. And someone that does that, there will come a point in time where they'll tell a lie. And they'll tell that lie over and over and over. And they'll tell that lie so much, eventually they'll start to believe it themselves. Why? Because they've deceived themselves. Folks, this is what the Bible is talking about. Verse number 18, first it says, Let no man deceive himself. If we trust in our own wisdom, if we trust in what we can figure out, what we can see, what we can understand, what I can reach out and and grab a hold of, you know, this this is what I see, this is what I'm going to believe. Well, we might start to believe it, but you know, we might start to believe something that's wrong. We can believe something that's wrong. There was someone, he, he made this statement to me once, and it stuck with me. I heard this years ago. Uh, it's probably been some 15 years or so now. Uh, this one man said that, you know, you know you've heard the statement that practice makes perfect? Well, we've heard that before, right? Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. And this one guy, he looked at me, he says, that is not true. I said, what do you mean it's not true? We, we've, all, we've always heard if you practice, you get better. Practice makes perfect. He said, no, practice doesn't make perfect. He said, practice makes permanent. Practice makes permanent. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, if you practice something over and over and over and over, and all you're doing is practicing it the wrong way, 
you'll just be getting, getting it permanently doing it the wrong way. You'll get really good at doing something wrong. You know, that's the same way with our minds. We, we can practice something over and over and over. And if we're just practicing the wrong thing, we will deceive ourselves. There are some people out there today that have ideas that, that I'll hear this. And boy, they'll, they'll tell me something they're thinking. And it just seems so backward and so against God's word. I think, how do you think this? How could you possibly believe this? Why do you think this is right? Because they have deceived themselves. They've gotten so caught up in their own way of thinking, they have gotten deceived in themselves. So verse number 18, he shows us that trap about where our wisdom's coming from. Number one, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, if he seems to be wise, but in this worldly wisdom is what it's saying. If you have a person that's worldly wise, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Wow. So, Lord, what are you talking about here? So, first, he has to come, become a fool before he can become a wise man? Well, here's the thing he's trying to say. Because what this world thinks and the way this world sees things, because they are so different than the way God thinks. If a person is over here in the world, and boy, they are so, they are so wise, they are so smart, and they've just, they've just got life all figured out we can just about guarantee they are different than the way God thinks. They are, they are going to say things different. You know, I'm going to tell you what the people over here think because we're talking about it. Uh, you know, in Genesis, these are the people that will say, there is no God, there is no creator, we are all here by accident. That's going to be the people that are say, oh, I'm a very wise person. I am a smart person. This is the, these are the people that, that, that we're hearing about on the radio over here in the last little bit or on the TV. Maybe you guys have seen it uh, about that new late-term abortion law they have just passed up in New York. Uh, they have now made it legal that under certain uh, health connotations that, uh, that, that abortions can be committed, I think, up into uh, late in the third trimester, legally. You know, and, and this, this is something that, oh, and, they, and boy, they were excited about it. They wanted to give abortion rights protection, even if Roe versus Wade got overturned. Man, abortion for any reason can be legal up to 24 weeks with these, with these folks. And man, uh, the governor, I think it was Governor Cuomo of New York, if I'm saying his name right. Boy, he got up there and, and he signed this bill and he said, there it is, it's done. Then everybody stood up and started clapping their hands. And I'm thinking... How do you not see that this is against everything that we see in God's Word? How do you not see that? How are they, how are they standing up and cheering at this? Because it's man's wisdom. It's what a man says. It's what a man thinks. Sure, they might be wise, but they're wise in the eyes of this world. They are wise in the eyes of sinners. They are wise in the way that, that only humans could think. Because we might think this is something new, but do you realize that even back in the Bible days, there was a false god. If I remember right, his name was Molech. And there were people in the days of the Bible where they would take their children and they would offer them on a burnt offering to this false god of Molech. They would burn their children alive on the false god of Molech. And folks, today in America, we are sacrificing our children on the false god of self. Satan's doing the same thing. He's just painted it up real nice to make it look a little bit more pretty so we'll believe it and so we'll buy into it. It's the same thing. And the people will stand back and they'll say, oh, that's so wonderful. This is such a great and wonderful thing that we're doing. Well, you can only see that if you're wise 
through what man thinks. So what the Bible is saying that we ought to do in verse number 18, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, right? If he's wise by the world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. You know what the Bible is saying we need to do? Paul is saying, look, if this man over here, if he is wise based off the world, he needs to basically consider his mind to be a blank slate. He needs to wipe his mind clean of everything he thinks he knows, and he needs to become a fool so that he can be filled up with what the truth is according to God's Word. So let's take, for example, you have one of those guys. Boy, they just signed that, 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 that law into, into place. Or this is one of the, the folks that believe there is no God, there is no Creator. We're all here by accident, and they believe that. If one of those people were suddenly to stand up, let's take the same man, for example. Let's take, let's take this Governor Kuma. Let's take this same man. If he were to stand up and he were all of a sudden to say, you know what, I know I just signed this into place, but... I don't think this was right. This, this is something that was wrong. We shouldn't have done this. This is something I believe that there's a God in heaven, and I believe He is dishonored by this. I believe it breaks His heart when we are murdering our children. If He were to stand that, everyone in that room would look at Mr. Kumo and say, You fool. You fool. That's what they would call him. Even though he's standing up for what's true and what's right, they would look at him and say, You fool. How dare you say that to us? That's not what we want. Folks, this is what the Bible is saying the wise men of the world have to do. They have to start thinking different. And when we start thinking that way, the world is going to look at us and say, thou fool. That's what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to think different. So in verse number 18, if we're going to go against the wisdom of the world, if any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world... Let him become a fool that he may be wise. So any person, though, that's willing to put aside what the world says and says, you know what? I'm going to go with what God says. The world's going to call me a fool, but God's going to call me a wise man. And you know what? I'm okay with that. If the world wants to call me a fool, but God can look at me and say, you're wise. I would much rather hear that God tell me I'm wise and hear the rest of the world tell me I'm wise because God knows a whole lot more than they do. I can promise you that. So that's what we bank ourselves on. So should we be seeking after wisdom? Sure. Should we be seeking after doing things that are right and this right way of thinking? Absolutely. But where does that come from? It comes from God. Let me show you what else the Bible says about man's wisdom. So let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool. Let's become fools as far as the world is concerned, that he may be wise. Why? Why is the wisdom of this world so wrong? Well, verse number 19 shows us. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. See, there it is. He continues on that same thought, and he just drives it home. The wisdom of this world is... As far as God's concerned, that is foolishness. So when God looks at the things that we push, the way humanism is pushed in this world, God says that's foolishness. The way the people lift themselves up to be, uh, to, to be the thing that they worship, God looks at that and says that's foolishness. When the laws of our land, they'll, they will willingly promote the murder of our children, God says that's foolishness. Furthermore, God would say that's sin. When, when, when the wisdom of this world says there is no God, we're here by accident, God says that's foolishness. 
And one day we'll stand before the Lord and we'll make, give an answer for what we believe and what we understood. So, so he says in verse number 19, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Why? For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness, as in the worldly wise. He looks at their craftiness, their wily ways, the things that they think they've got right, the things that they've got good, the things they think they're doing. He looks at it and he says, yeah, you think that might be kind of clever. I'm going to call that foolish. And then furthermore, he gives us another one. In verse number 20, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. That they are vain. You, know, you, you ever heard, maybe we've heard that word vain before. The best definition for vain that I have ever heard was this. Someone that is grasping at air. They are grasping at air. That means you're reaching out to grab something, and it's just not there. You know, there's nothing to grab a hold of. It's vain. It's vanity. It's pointless. That's what we see. You know, there, there's actually a whole passage of Scripture on that about uh, where I believe it's Solomon, where he wrote and he said, vanity of vanity, all is vanities. He, he was a man looking back at his life at all the riches and wealth that he had. And then he was coming to the end of his life and said, it was pointless. It was vain because I can't keep it. I can't take it with me. And he talks about things being vanity. It's, it's useless. It's grasping at air. So with that in mind, verse number 20, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. So all these thoughts that the wise men of this world have, you know, when, when, we, uh, when we go to the universities and they try to uh, promote things that are against God's word, and, I'm not, and, and don't think I'm anti-education, I'm not. And, you know, I absolutely believe, one man, one man told me this, you never waste time sharpening your axe. And if you've ever tried to cut down a tree with a dull axe, which I've done, it takes a lot longer than it does to just go sharpen your axe and then cut down the tree. You know, it's always good to, to get out and learn. But what I'm saying is, when someone blatantly goes against what God's Word says, and they promote just what man's wisdom thinks, you know, oh, it's not a matter of murder, it's about a person's choice. Well, the Bible's going to look at that and it's going to call that foolishness. And that kind of thinking is useless. It's vain. You're not going to get anywhere with it. It's, it's grasping at air. You know, I mean, think of even this. Think of all the time and energy that is put in and, and funds, finances, that, that is put into proving that we are all related, that we all came here from some subspecies, that everything is like a giant bush that, that grew from a single-cell organism, that, that at one time we used to be fish, and boy, we came from fish. Think of all the funds that's spent into proving that. What happens if they do prove it? Nothing. It's grasping at air. It's pointless. But if we believe that there's a God and that one day that we're going to see Him and we're going to meet Him, that is going to change our life. That's going to give us something to live for. That'll give us something to die for. And then because we know this is true, that means I have something to look forward to when this life is over. If you are over here and you believe that we're all here by accident, you've got nothing. You have absolutely no purpose in life at all. You're here, you live, and you're in the ground. That's it. And boy, what a bleak way to live. And that man's wisdom is just grasping at air. You're not going to get anything from it. It's vain. So verse number 20, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are, that they're vain. 
So folks, here's what we need to understand. When it comes to the thoughts of man and us seeking after wisdom, we need to understand we first don't go after man's wisdom. We don't go after what man thinks because we've seen over and over again, they will fail and they will falter and they will steer us wrong. They will give us things that are against God's word. Now, he gives us another thing to watch out for. We talked about already the wisdom, the things we think. Now, he's going to switch over to glory. Verse number 21. Therefore, let no man glory in men. Let no man glory in men. So, here's something that we also have to watch out for. Taking glory in what other men have done. Getting glory in, in what other people maybe have, have accomplished or, or riding the coattail of someone else's glory. And we have a few things we're going to study about this. And it took me a while to fully, to fully grasp it because Paul makes an interesting statement. Look how he finishes that. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. All things are yours. And I'm thinking, well, Paul, what do you mean? What's, what's mine? And then he goes on, whether Paul or Apollos or, or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. Basically, Paul's saying all of it, everything. Well, well Paul, how is it mine? What is that? And that doesn't make sense. And, and ye are Christ and Christ is God's. Well, Paul is talking about glory. And then he stops and he says, well, everything that's around you, it's already yours. So I started putting two and two together. Because the very first thing we look at is that we can't take glory in any man, right? The Bible says, therefore, let no man glory in men. Let me show you some ways that people get glory in men. The way that men get glory. You know, and this, this, is, a very, this is a very silly illustration, but it's, it's still kind of funny. I, I've got somewhere, um, maybe it's a home of my computer or something. There's these... There's this family of some friends that I grew up with. Me and my buddy, we went to high school together. And his brother-in-law, he was this huge, huge Duke Blue Devil fan. I mean, he's a guy that would wear the, uh, the, the real dark Duke Blue you know, jerseys and shorts, and he would paint his face, and boy, he'd, he'd wear the hat, and he'd just go nuts, you know. He, he was one of these guys. And the funny thing was, the family that he married into, they were a equally huge Carolina Tar Heel fan. And if you know anything about the two teams, they don't live very far from each other in North Carolina. And that is the biggest rivalry on the East Coast of college basketball. I mean, just huge. So they, you know, so they, this family, they got married. And needless to say, it's funny whenever there's a game going on. And they made a bet one time. They said, hey, if our team wins, you're going to have to wear the other team's jersey for an entire day. You know, and so they said, "Okay, yeah, I'll take that bet." And I, and somewhere, I've got a picture of this guy wearing the other team's jersey. You know, and he just got this sour, this sour look on his face, and all the rest of his family—they were just, you know, they were laughing at him. And boy, they were they were taking glory in the fact that their team won. Right? That's that's something we could say. Yeah, in a way, it could be glory. Yeah, our team won. Ha ha ha! Now you've got to wear our jersey. You know, that's something that maybe we we like to do. We like to look at someone else, something they've got going on, and we will ride on their glory. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having, having fun, okay? But what I am saying is, what is our source of glory as it compares to the things of God? You know, what Paul started to say is, look, whether that glory comes from Paul or Apollos 
or Cephas, or, or of the world, or of life, or death, or things present, or things to come. He said, look, what are you getting your glory in? You, I, I realize I, I'm Paul, I've, I've come to you and I've preached, but you, you shouldn't be getting your glory because you heard me preach. That's kind of what he's getting at. Yeah, I mean, I'm here. You, know, you, you heard Apollos preach, but that's not where you're getting your glory from. Why, why would your glory come from another man? We don't take our glory from other men. Well, you know, we could say tonight, oh, look at us. Our president is Donald Trump. Boy, we're going to take glory in that. Man, man, look at me. That, makes, that must make me so wonderful. Well, why would I get my glory from another person? See, this is, this is something we need to understand, especially as it relates to salvation and our glory in the Lord. I can never get glory, a godly type of glory in that way. I could never get that just because I happen to know another preacher who's, who's well-renowned. And boy, he's just, he's just so spiritual. You know, there, there's no, that's not a... That's not a I, want, I want to be very careful and make sure I'm true to God's word when I say this. That's not a transferable thing. It's in a very, a much larger sense. I mean, it's almost like my children. My children will never be considered uh, saved because, because I am, because we're in a family together. You know, they, they have to decide things for themselves. They have to go learn about God for themselves. They have to be willing to accept that for themselves. And so one of the things that people do is they will, uh, they will seek after glory through other people instead of looking through God. But the problem is that if we try to get our glory through other men, other men will let us down. Even if they're godly men, by the way. You know, we think about King David. Oh, man, look at David. He was the guy that killed Goliath. Yeah, but then he went and had adultery with another man's wife and then murdered the husband. You know, he, he was a man that disobeyed God. He would have let me down. This was King David. Folks, there were people all through God's Word that were godly men that, that people looked up to. Oh, look at this wonderful person. What a, what a giant Christian they are. And then they sin. And then, oh, then we're deflated because all of our glory was wrapped up in another person. See what happens if that's what we're looking at is we're, we're getting glory from another man, from another person they're going to let us down, and they're going to fail, and then we're going to fall, and we'll be crushed. Folks, our glory can never be found in another person. But look at this. Glory is found in the life that is, that is spent up on Christ. And here's the neat thing I had to understand. Look at what Paul said. For all things are yours. Watch this. Your Christian life, it's yours. It's yours. It's your life to live in the sense that God gave it to you. And the Bible talks about how, how He gave us His life that we might live it more abundantly. He saved us so that we could go after the Christian life. Paul said in another passage of Scripture, excuse me, uh, he said that we're supposed to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. In the sense that you're now saved, it's your responsibility to work out your Christian life. So that means I can't force somebody to grow spiritually. Or just because I'm over here and I say, oh boy, I listen to this pastor over here you know, on the radio once a week, that's not going to make me a more spiritual person. What is going to make me a spiritual person is when I grab a hold of my own Christian life and start taking responsibility for it. And the neat thing about that is, the Lord has given me wide open range to do so. I mean, anything that I want to pursue that's within the bounds that God has given me, 
It's mine to do so. Look at what Paul said in verse number 21 and 22, and we'll, we'll look at it with that in mind. Therefore, let no man glory in men. Okay, well, we're not going to glory in other men. Why, Paul? For all things are yours. They're yours. Go after it. Whether Paul, he's yours. He was a preacher. His preaching is yours. Or Apollos, man, the words that Apollos said, take them, use them. Or Cephas, the things Cephas said, take them, use his words. Or the world, man, the world is before you to work in. Or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. Folks, God has given you this life. And the Bible has already told us in Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good to them that are called according to His purpose. He's saying that God, He's going to be the one that's in control. And if a trial comes into your life, that's your trial. Take it and use it. If God gives you, uh, boy, if He gives you a passage of Scripture that you've been able to read, oh man, that's wonderful. You take it and you use it. If you're able to hear a message from Paul or Apollos or Cephas or whoever, take that message and use it. Man, that's yours. God bless you with that. Man, God bless you with life. God bless you this world. God bless you with trials. God can sometimes even bless us with death. Whatever it is that He gives us, it's ours to take and to use. All things are ours, Paul is saying. So my glory... It doesn't come in what Joe Blow over here is doing. My glory as it relates to doing things for the Lord, it doesn't matter for a hill of beans what this guy is doing. We're all serving the same God, but I'm not going to get glory about what he's doing over there. I'm going to get glory going after what God gave me to do with my life. This is my responsibility, and all things are for me. So that's why Paul says in 21, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. And folks, one of the things we see is, I'll give you a couple examples. And then we'll finish up with these. The glory of men, they, they look for glory in so many places. Um, you know, there was, there's a couple different people, and I'll let you think about it. There was this one girl, Queen Elizabeth I of, um, of, of England, you know, she was, uh, England was getting ready to be invaded by, I believe it was Spain. And the entire Spanish armada was, was, was sailing. Their fleet was coming in. And, and her being this queen, she, she stood up and she gave, she gave this great speech to all her military men. You know, they were getting ready, these, these sailors. They were going to sail out to meet the enemy. They were ready to fight and they were ready to die. And she made a statement to the effect of, you know, I may be a weak and uh, feeble, or a feeble and weak-bodied female, but, I, but you men are going to go out and you're going to fight and you're going to die for your country. And boy, she got them all fired up. And she says, you know, but deep down inside, I have the heart of a king and the heart of a warrior. And boy, she was, man, she got those men stirred up and they went out and they fought and they won the battle. And man, everyone looked at Queen Elizabeth and they said, Oh man, wow, wonderful that was. You, man, you had such a heart for standing up for what's truth and you believed in us. And then the Bible, ta- or the Bible, then history tells us how, how strong and how valiant of a leader she was. And, and indeed she was so. But then as it came to the end of her life, we, we learn historically that, that she, she fought against her death the exact same way that she fought against the, the Spanish Armada that was coming. She put, she put pillows all around her, and she stood up, and she wouldn't even go to bed because she was afraid she wouldn't wake up the next morning. And when she could feel death coming, she cried out, and this is a historical fact, she cried out, all of my possessions, but for a moment more of time, because her life was coming to an end. See, at the end of her life, that glory that she thought she had, there was nothing there. 
She was grasping at air because her life was over and there was nothing left. The only quote-unquote glory that she had was the leader of a country. And then at the end of it, even that didn't amount to much. Yeah, we know her name. She's in history. And we could say, yeah, she's got man's glory and man's wisdom. Yeah, that might be a good thing. But let me tell you about another man named David Livingston. He was a man that spent his entire life as a missionary. And while he was a missionary, we know that several times he got sick. He was once attacked by a lion. He had his shoulder mauled. And when it was coming to the end of his life, he, was, he, he knew he was getting up in years and he was dying. He still wanted to go back. He didn't want to be in his homeland. He wanted to be on the mission field. And they put him in his room and they laid him on his cot where he was surrounded by several natives. And they left and they left him alone in that, in that little tent by himself. And it was in there that he was sick and he was laying there dying by himself. And then one of the, the natives that were there, when they, they, they poked their head in to look at him, and he wasn't moving, and they went in, they checked on him, and sure enough, he was, he was dead. He had passed away. And then they went, and he went and got the other man. They said, Mr. Livingston, he's, he, he's gone. He's died. He's passed away. And, and they went in, and when they looked at him, and as sick and as feeble as he was, he had gotten off of his bed, and he was on his knees praying, and he died on his knees in prayer. And so we hear about this man, and let me tell you something. That man... He has some glory to his life because he went after what God gave him to do. And that's a glory that's going to follow him on to heaven as well. You see, we can get glory and when it comes to doing things for God, which are things that's going to last, or we can get glory by doing things by man's wisdom. So tonight we just looked at two simple things, and it's something I hope that we're able to take with us and use. We learned, number one, about man's wisdom. You know, we can't, we can't get the way we think from, from people. We'll deceive ourselves, and the world, will, the world will steer us wrong. It'll steer us against God's Word. And if they want to call me a fool for it, fine. They can call me a fool all they want to. But God will look at me, and He'll call me wise. And then we learn, lastly, about getting glory. Folks, my glory as a Christian does not come from other people what other people do, what other people have done. Now, yes, we're in the battle together. We're fighting for the Lord. We're working together. But the Bible tells me in verse number 21, let no man glory in men. Our glory doesn't come from men. Our glory comes in subduing the life that God has given us to live. So whatever comes my way, I'm going to take it as mine. I'm going to use it. I'm going to see it as an opportunity to serve God. And as the Bible says, you know, all things to come are yours. And ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Folks, we're His. We belong to Him. And it's through Him that we find our wisdom, and it's through Him we find our glory. So if we could, we'll have every head bowed and we'll have every eye closed. And we'll just let our challenge be tonight, who is it that we're following after? Do we follow after men or do we follow after God? Do we get our wisdom in men or do we get our wisdom from God? Even if we're called fools, do we get our wisdom from God? And where are we finding our glory? Are we finding our glory in, in other men, in the successes of other, of other men or what's going on around us? Or do we get our glory in honoring the Lord and seeking after the things that He has given us to do? Our Heavenly Father, God, we love You. And again, I'm so thankful for this passage of Scripture and for what You've showed us. Lord, we've seen in our own lives, we've seen throughout the Bible how, how men will fail. 
men will falter. They will mess up. But Lord, you never will. And I pray that you would help us to understand tonight that everything that we, that we need to live by needs to come from you.